0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weekly Wilson Podcast. We got two Wilsons. We say it's weekly, but really we've been doing two a week lately, but I think it's okay. I am your cow's rights activist host, Brian Wilson. And I'm your bovine specialist, Jay Wilson. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> um, On today's episode, <laughs> we begin by reading an email that has been sitting in the inbox for far too long, so apologies to Matt, but we finally got to your email. Then we discussed the impressive technological leap that has been seen in dish soap recently. And from that, we springboard right into a conversation about um, why people have such a hard time adopting technology sometimes and what the issues around that are. And we use self-driving cars as a focus for this discussion Mm -hmm. of adopting new technology. Um, It's a lot of ranting. It's kind of a pet peeve of ours. So it got a little... Impassioned at times, Uh, but then we finished it off by talking about some of the moral quandaries that come along with um, developing self driving cars and also um, self driving cows and their rights and responsibilities. Moral quandaries and moral (laughs) quandaries. So if you make it all the way through, that's what you have to look forward to at the end. All right, Jay, before we get into today's episode, we have some things to address. There is an email that has been sitting in our inbox for two weeks. Oh. And I think it's, I think we really need to, We this is this sat for too long. We really need to address this. So I'm going to read it to you. It is from, uh, how did he sign it? Uh, Matt, last name redacted. Oh, yeah. Subject line, here is... He, subject line here is your engagement jay and i don't think he is proposing to you sadly not so dear wilson brothers you have no idea how irate i am that i decided <laughs> to listen to this podcast on my monday drive home from work instead of friday driving up to akron as i could have roasted you in person one last time for the last yeah I, I sad to see you gone <laughs> sorry i just wanted to say <laughs> so we recorded the podcast where i called out matt a lot and then i saw him that weekend and very quickly, I realized, oh, he hasn't listened to it yet. <laughs> 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 I just kind of let it ride. Nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, where was I? I'm sad to see you gone, but I am excited for your future. Also, I still have your hot garbage, so at some point, I will have to see you and Kelly. I never wrote into the podcast in the past because I always enjoyed getting your live reaction because you are such an animated person, and it always gave me a good laugh. To your point, I will probably start emailing more, because we can't communicate only through memes for the next few months. (laughs) Also, for your information, I have dental insurance, so on my recent visit, I was told to floss more, and like Brian, I got those dental toothpicks. Alright, cool. He's on a good bandwagon. However, being so cheap, I got the Walmart brand. I am now regretting it because I have to use, like, two or three a night because the floss falls apart after ten teeth. Yeah. Okay, add that to the list of things that are worth paying for name brand because yeah. that is absurd. Nothing much more frustrating than getting floss stuck in your teeth, which I have done. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I'm a manual floss guy, just, I think we talked about this. That's just the ultimate betrayal. Yeah. Yeah we've, t- yeah, we've talked about that one. Um moving on also since the podcast is in the nature of rehashing old points i'm gonna do the same (laughs) with a few things (laughs) first about hot and cold exposure i am an avid proponent of both Mm. heat exposure is a great form of resting cardio done for a long enough duration which is great for two injured runners who might want to maintain their cardiovascular health you're telling me all i have to do to maintain cardiovascular health is just be hot for a long time i guess that's so much easier that's why do that and do other things too honestly maybe lifeguarding was good for our running careers because i always describe that as like the whole job was just being slightly uncomfortably hot for a long period of time yeah interesting maybe i need to reevaluate my whole training Mm -hmm. regimen all right cold exposure is great because like brian stated it forces your body to get good at temperature regulation from what I have researched, cold is better in the morning to wake you up and get the slow reheat. To wake you up and get the slow reheat. And heat is better at night because it lowers your core body temperature, which is important for sleep. That sounds kind of backwards to me. Yeah. Heat lowers your core body temperature? Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I heard about this from Mark, too. He always he said that like just in terms of like waking up and shutting down your body, it's like the cold is good. And then, yeah, I don't know. I guess like heat. Well, from what I understand, I think it's just that your body wants to be colder while it sleeps, so then if you, like, expose yourself to heat, your body's, like, cool yourself down system kicks into high gear and then helps you kind of cool down into the evening. Okay. Interesting. I do, I really like cold in Mm -hmm. the morning. That's definitely, I just thought that was kind of a circadian rhythm thing where the mornings are cooler anyway, so that's just kind of, like, what your body enjoys. Yeah. All right. Also, in the nature of receiving the backlash you wanted for your comments, well, I don't think you create enough character all on your own, you use the description given in the book. Wait, what? Am I reading this right? Also, in the nature of receiving the backlash well, you wanted for your comments, well, I don't think you create a character well, all I don't... on your own. Oh, he's talking about um, reading. You use the description. Like, whether it's better or worse than. Remember that? Oh, okay, okay. Well, I don't think you create a character all on your own. use the description given in the book, but I often take that and think of an actor that might look like that for better visualization. Hmm. Not sure if this is a result of me gravitating towards movies more than books, even though the books are almost always better. Uh, one for second example, right here, Brian. If you would like a quick... So, mm-hmm. I've had this um, issue before where... Have you ever had it where... Um, well, specifically, I remember with Aragon, the actor is blonde and the character is not blonde. And I was trying so hard to think of a different visualization than the character I'd seen in the movie, because the movie sucked so bad. Um, so I like, had to pick an actor to say, this is Aragon, and I was trying to make him be Aragon, But I, even that, I still couldn't quite do it. Huh. But, yeah, I do a similar thing. Um, another thing I'll do, too, is if someone's described in a book, but I don't like their description, I'll just picture them however I want to picture them, mm-hmm. because it's my mind yeah like uh in red rising jay Mm -hmm. like every character essentially is canonically blonde right yeah but i was like this is too difficult to picture this many different people all being blonde i can't think of that many hairstyles so if i thought someone said (laughs) they described the hair hair black hair i was just like no (laughs) yeah i know but i'm like who has curly hair who has long hair who has short hair who has a man bun i don't know so, I just, like, if I thought someone sounded like uh, they should not have uh, blonde hair, mm-hmm. I just pictured them all with blonde hair. Like, Severo? Severo's a redhead. I don't care what you say. I thought Mustang that. was a redhead. Mustang could be a redhead, too. Yeah. But anyhow. So, that's just that's just me. Um, Mustang is the, example, is the, is like the a... one wildling girl from Game of Thrones. That's who Mustang is. Oh, really? That's not what I pictured. I actually pictured Mustang blonde one I rolled with. <laughs> Anyways, okay. I, I mean, hated all example, the characters being blonde. Like... I pictured them different colors. Well, that one's blonde, Jay. Freaking idiot. Well, no. So <laughs> most of them, I still tried to picture blonde, but like some, I just couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um. Also, wait. I'm skipping things. For example, if you would like a quick read to add to your never-ending list, Ender's Game is a book that I have read twice, and the movie does not do it justice. Also, I think books are on the lower end of having fun with friends, for starters, unless you are reading it at the same time and pace. You can't really talk about it until you are done with the whole book. Um, I will say, I read... There's like four books in the Ender's Game trilogy. Mm -hmm. Wait, strike that. There are four (laughs) books in the Ender's Game series. (laughs) Quadrigy. Um, All very good, but I started to get pretty fatigued by the end, because they're very, like... Kind of like moral quandary mm. books okay. that really get you thinking. Yeah. So I was pretty, my mind was kind of tired by the end. Mm-hmm. But um, With the book, like The Way of Kings, it could be several months. Maybe the payout is higher in the end, but I personally think exercise like spike ball or soccer tennis has a much higher payout for a shorter investment. Also, gaming online with friends can be great because it does not matter if you live close together anymore, you can still play and have fun with your friends. I agree jay i found the ice you placed in my bag in the morning after you left as well as the one you placed in the in the coach couch was that supposed to say couch okay. <laughs> yeah. however i was severely hung over and i am sorry to say i did not drink them so i owe you two. oh ice like yeah. off ice yeah <laughs> a block of ice in his bag. <laughs> hey that's what i was picturing like you put a bunch of ice in his backpack hmm um as it turns out the saying beer before liquor never sicker is very true also screw the oxford comma there i said it or typed it and also also i bet in my jeans did i bet in my jeans did not eat her bagel in in my jeans much love from is... <laughs> your loyal willie matt matt last name redacted <laughs> are these um, things you understand yeah so in my jeans is a nickname for imogen um <laughs> But, uh, oh, in my jam. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So nice. Um, yeah, it's a tough one to catch, but, uh, yeah, I was going to say in the first half, I was just going to be astonished at how cogent the, uh, grammar and like sentence structure was of this email, because I got to tell you, Brian, I've, I've edited many a lab report alongside Matt. And a lot of the times it was a matter of Matt might understand the subject matter, but then I would have to decipher what Matt wrote and then every now and then we'd get to a sentence that he didn't know what was going on with the science, and I also couldn't understand what he said. So we would be at a, an impasse. But <laughs> no, but enough roasting, Matt. That thank you for thank you for writing in. That was that was delightful. And like he said, you know, it was very fun discussing it in person. So I appreciate that. But I also appreciate the fact that he intends on reaching out more now that we're not seeing each other. Because Matt, I have not i've I i I've never called matt and i've never really like texted him a lot so i do I, we have been communicating strictly in sense of memes lately which is not enough not enough <laughs> matt for me you know what i'm saying um but anyhow glad to hear from you buddy um but shoot we didn't even start yeah, sorry this we up. let that yeah. sorry we let that one sit in, <laughs> sorry we let that one sit in the inbox so long but yeah um love the email always love hearing from the listeners so keep them coming yeah. today on this episode though it's kind of a uh a more focused version i think jay of a pet peeve episode we're not doing pickled pet threaves. <laughs> or did we do three we pet might have done pickled <laughs> pet <laughs> threeves <That> <laughs> <laughs> i can't remember if we didn't and i just blew that uh title like i, re- I spoiled it we'll have to I'm look but sad, we might have to do but... pickled pet peeves four. we want some more yeah. But this on today I only want to discuss one specific peeve. Okay. Um which is uh self-driving cars and the adoption of them mm-hmm. which we can dig into. But I was also kind of uh wanting to frame this episode around kind of the advancement of technology and how I get frustrated with people's adoption of new technology sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the higher level of the pet peeve. I was going to say exactly that. <laughs> What? (laughs) Like just being frustrated with the adoption of new technology and people being afraid of it. Yeah. So, but the self-driving cars is a very good case study of that frustration. So we're going to discuss that today. But first, Jay, while we're talking about the advancement of technology, I want to talk about something that I feel like has not gotten nearly enough attention in mainstream media. Yes, sorry, sorry. Yeah. This is poorly placed at this point, but <laughs> I, as a, in the sense of saying like people are afraid of new technologies. I just wanted to say that I think the the possibility that like the last words uttered on Earth by a human are like once I press this button, everything will be fixed, and they press it, and like it ruins everything. Like, that is a potential outcome mm. of science, unlikely but possible. Aside from that. I don't think that warrants how people are kind of universally afraid of new technology almost all the time. It's like sometimes it's positive, but most of the time there's a lot of people saying this could be really, really bad. This could this ruin everything. Um, or like people who are afraid of AI taking over the world or robots taking over the world or anything. It's like there's a lot of fear. And not to say that bad inventions don't happen and that things don't go wrong. Like the person who invented like the gun... The first gun. I'm sure he's just like, oh wow, I create a bunch of death in the world, but like you were, and that's kind of a divisive one to bring up, but like there's there's inventions that people regret and that turn out bad. But I think people don't acknowledge the fact enough that like science has for all of history trended towards good. It's like there's more good inventions than bad. Yeah. So the odds are that it's gonna be good. Yeah. And then also another thing I think people get caught up on is the first iteration of something new. They're like, oh, well, that's not going to work. It's going to be awful. Why would they even try to have that? And it's like, well, yeah, this is the first one. And when people try it and we figure out what doesn't work and why it doesn't work and how we can make it better, that's how we come up with the second one. Yeah. And that's going to be better. And then eventually they're going to keep getting better and better. So it's like, I'm willing to be the early adopter because I like to think I have a high frustration tolerance. So if something doesn't work, I don't get annoyed that it doesn't work. I say, oh, well, it's the first one. Maybe the next one will be better. Yeah. You know, like another example, I think Pokemon Go came out too early mm-hmm. and it wasn't good, which might've been a hiccup on their part, but I'm like, eh, well, they'll make it better. Like, they're not going to leave it like this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's like wearable electronics, like Google Glass, famous flop. It's like, yes, that didn't go well. People weren't ready for it. Um, They're not going to stop trying to put things in front of your eyes. Like those screens are going to happen someday. And like Apple's already mm-hmm. doing it, like they have, they have their version now. It's like it's gonna be like, yeah, the the people like to hop on the bandwagon of people being wrong or having messed up. I think, and it's like there's not a lot of, um, I don't know, as much as there is kind of like a understanding that oh, people mess up and you need to tr- need to try again. It's like for all of that messaging that's out there, there's not a lot of tolerance for like having a, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. a blunder. Yeah. Um, but anyways, as I said before, there's one thing that has not gotten enough attention lately. It's probably one of the most recent examples of new technology being developed that actually everyone adopted very well, astonishingly well, so well that it almost went unnoticed, Jay, that just no one used this thing. And then suddenly everyone used this thing and no one talked about it. I was like, guys, we need to acknowledge this because this was awesome. And I, of course, am talking about spray dish soap. (laughs) oh yeah you've seen it around right i've used it. it everywhere yeah i saw it once at someone's house and i was like wow that's really cool and then the next house i went to i bounce around a lot i see a lot of people's houses next house i went to they had it i was like huh interesting went to the store it's everywhere i got some for the van every house i've been to has it no one uses normal dish soap anymore everyone has the spray and the spray is unquestionably undeniably better than normal dish soap. It's so nice. Yeah. I I used it. I will say I'm not currently using it. Um I don't know. I'd like to see the numbers on like soap usage. If it ups or downs your use of dish soap. Um because Ups or downs. <laughs> yes, as the scientists say. Um because that's the one prime complaint I have against dish soap is that people oftentimes use way too much of it, or are wasteful with it. Like, adding it, mm-hmm. like squirting it directly on a plate, like scrubbing it, rinsing it. I'm just like, dude, you just use so much soap. Like, what are you doing? Um, so if it's, if it's more efficient in soap usage, then I would say it has absolutely zero downsides. But, but yeah, I don't think I know quite enough yet. See, I... I, off the bat, think it has to make you more efficient because it's immediately in the foam form. So it seems like there's already more. So I feel like people use less. It's just much easier to use. Mm -hmm. I just, I love it so much for so many reasons. And I ask people, I'm like, oh, you have the spray dish soap. They're like, oh, yeah, saw that, got it. Like It's not a big deal. And I feel like this is a huge deal. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like. What is it? Who makes it? Dawn. I th- they deserve like a crap ton of credit. <laughs> yeah, and I want I'm giving it to them on this podcast. How how has no one come up with this? Yeah, I don't know. How long was this sitting on the shelf? I don't doubt <laughs> that um, other people are using less dish soap now, but I am better than everybody else. So I think that I might still use less dish soap. Okay. Well, you can do your research and let me know your findings okay. and make your decision at a later date. But I am fully. I am so on the train for spray dish soap. Well, okay, Brian, let me ask you this. Do you ever feel like you're inhaling the dish soap now? No, hasn't crossed my mind. Because I would hit it with a few sprays, and I don't know if we were... Because we would just dilute regular soap into our sprayer, and I think there's some actual solution you're supposed to use. Um, But when we would spray our soap, I would always have to put my head away and just be like... I would hold my breath, spray the dishes, and then be like... (gasps) like away from the sink because if you take a inhale too soon right after spraying that you just get a lung full of dawn and it's just not good okay well i haven't noticed that so i think they might have worked that out in the uh initial testing of the product yeah but Jay, I think that's enough. I think that's enough on dish soap. Let's move on to the uh, the main topic for the last twelve minutes of this episode, and that yeah. is self-driving cars. So I recently listened to an episode about self-driving cars and also just adoption of new technology in general. Mm-hmm. And they get they get gave me more ammo for my hatred of people's unwillingness to adapt to adopt uh, self-driving cars. Yeah. So I'm just gonna run a few anecdotes by you and see how you react to them. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, one of the things they compared self-driving cars to was, uh, when elevators were first invented. Mm. So elevators, people were like, you want me to get in this small box so that you can lift me hundreds of feet into the air? No, thank you. Not going to do that. Yeah. Um, but the only way they got people to, uh, trust it. So elevators could have always been automatic when they were first invented, they were automatic. Mm -hmm. Um, the only way they got people to trust them initially was to have the elevator operator. Yeah. <laughs> so they were like, "Okay, there's a human driving this thing. Now, I now I trust it. Like, okay, I trust a human. I don't yeah. trust a magic box." But then, a lot of people died on elevators, and a lot, most of the deaths were caused by the human operator, <laughs> like either closing the doors too soon or like I don't know what else might it be. So my point is or i guess their point i don't know my theory whatever is that when you introduce humans into a process that's being done by computers the human is going to make more mistakes than the computer Mm -hmm. so that's one thing where people are nervous about taking humans out of the driving process it's like the i can almost guarantee that computers are going to be better drivers than humans yeah and overall like if if there the more computer drivers there are on the road I'm predicting the less crashes there will be. Yeah, I think... What do you think about that? People... I think what people are worried about is, like, systemic issues. Like, I don't... I I mean, I can't speak for the public at large, but, like, when you have, like, oh, all the cars being run on computers, and, like, what if something happens to all the computers, and we all just have a catastrophic incident? Like that? Or, like, the catastrophic incident on the individual scale, where it's, like, my computer goes completely whack and, like, crashes my car or my elevator. Um... But I think what people don't, it's like, yeah, I think what people don't realize is that it's, like, humans, it's like we have, like, one, maybe two lines of defense where it's, like, I'm doing my best not to crash, and then it's, like, I do something wrong as a driver, okay, now I have the other line of defense, which is everybody else around me being good drivers and, like, helping me not get in an accident by, like, reacting to my wrongdoing versus, like, a computer system you can put in, like, two three four five redundancies of like how this thing is going to handle situations or like handle its own failures and whatnot also yeah if so you have the danger let's say that the computer glitches out and crashes do you think that's going to happen more or less often than a drunk person getting behind the wheel yeah like i feel like that's the human equivalent of that Mm -hmm. and i think a glitch is going to be a lot less like you said they can put in more redundancies and um kind of fail safes yeah so there's that i guess it would be sorry and then i want i want to move on to my next point <laughs> unless you you can say one more piece i was going to say like i think it'd be interesting to look at like the true median driver on the planet or like or even yeah, say like just the most say like the freaking like 80th percentile worst driver and then the 80th percentile worst performing singular self-driving car it's like That 80th percentile self-driving car is probably going to be, like, almost exactly the same as the medium best to, like, as the complete medium as it is to, like, the medium best car. Like, they're all going to be so close to being the same versus, like, the worst humans just so laughably terrible, I bet, that, like, (laughs) (laughs) it (laughs) would be, like, I I don't know, it's different ways of looking at it, I suppose. Here's point number two. Nobody's scared of planes. Well, I guess some people are scared of planes, but... by and large, people are really cool getting on a plane. Mm -hmm. And planes practically fly themselves. Completely. And, again, most plane crashes are when the pilots take over and make the wrong decision. Yeah. But I also bet people aren't too worried about self-driving boats. Which I feel like is closer to planes. Because there's a lot less traffic. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like people see planes up in the sky and they're just like, Oh, the only thing necessary to account for is, like, the air, and I can't even see that stuff, so, like, is that really gonna best me? It's like... <laughs> yeah, the plane The plane probably isn't gonna crash into anything, but I think we can all agree that, in general, like, taking off, flying, and landing a plane is a more complex process mm-hmm. than driving a car. So yeah. if we trust computers to do that, I feel like we should trust them to drive cars. Um, point number three. I believe cars already drive themselves and we're just maintaining some false sense of illusion that we are controlling them yeah this was also related to the sorry this was also related to the elevator example because um even once they made them full automatic they still make sure to include in the elevator like an override switch and it's i think in the example they said the override switch didn't actually do anything it just like stopped the elevator and said um, if something's going wrong, like wait, but if not press the button again and you'll continue, like okay. it doesn't really do anything. So that was my thought on yeah. that. I was interested to just hear, like when I saw this bullet point, I was like, all right, how much are cars doing on their own that I don't know of that Brian recently learned about? Cause I want to hear about all this. <laughs> not nothing that you wouldn't like really think, but so, uh, first of all, they all like I think most new cars have uh, like cameras with a 360 view around them. They're always looking completely around them, mm-hmm. right? So and then you can see if you've ever been in a Tesla on the giant screen, it has on the screen like the cars that it sees, the signs that it sees, the stoplights that it sees. like they're looking at everything. They're completely aware of their surroundings. Mm-hmm. So the cars are aware of everything. If you get too close to a car in front of you, the car hits the brakes. If you start to drift out of your lane, the car beeps and corrects you back into your lane. Yeah. Like, yes, you're there holding the holding the wheel, keeping you in the lane and stopping when there's something in front of you, but if you don't do that, the car will. It's like we're all like, like you like, don't need to be there. We're all little kids <laughs> in like the car shaped shopping cart that the parent is pushing. <laughs> yeah but the parent is keeping you in the lane and stopping if you're about to hit something like come on yeah no it's that is pretty silly even like like to feel like we're in control yeah but if we mess up like if we get distracted and we don't stop in time the car will stop you yeah even on a minute level um like i was wondering if you had any insights as to like this this, the more like base level technologies in a car because I know from working at Toyota. Like I don't know if you remember the unintended acceleration, uh, like hysteria that happened. Mm -hmm. It was um, an issue where people were accelerating and they couldn't stop accelerating, and it was causing some accidents. And they found that it was mostly like a design with like how the accelerator was designed to get stuck under like floor mats and stuff. Um, and that was the issue. It wasn't like an inherent problem with Toyota vehicles. Um, Even so, they designed to fix it. But then additionally, they put in uh they like redid how like the car functions to where the brake overrides the accelerator. If it's like if it's pressed, then the accelerator takes the back seat and it stops the car. Um but like think about that for a second. Like before, if something happened with the accelerator, you couldn't stop the car. You would have to like pull the e brake and just like lock it. Yeah, it's like we cars are and anything, honestly, I, and I think this might apply to the airplanes, where it's like it's such a complicated process that we don't just don't even engage with it. It's like above our pay grade, so we don't think about it at all. But where we have like perceived control, we worry more about the technology because, yeah, it's like cars have so many different systems that are just completely electronic, and we don't even understand them whatsoever. Like the transmission used to be connected to things that actually like shifted. Like the gear of the car, well back when it was manual, but then like even just like drive to reverse to park, it like it used to be connected to things. And now it isn't. It's just an electrical switch that looks like a lever because people like feeling like they have a lever. And if you notice, those levers are gone now. Like they have buttons or knobs because they're so much easier to integrate into the yeah. interior of vehicles that have this giant ancient lever that doesn't do anything anymore. <laughs> it's like Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's mm. yeah. The perceived control, like definitely, yeah. So we, yeah, we kind of, uh, we kind of accept that the cars can keep us in the lane and stop when they need to. So I'm like, why are we drawing the line at like turning corners? Mm-hmm. Like, with visual recognition too, it's like the car's gonna know if there's a red light and it needs to stop. It's gonna know if there's a green light and it can go. And it has 360 view. It mm-hmm. has a much better perception of the surroundings than you're ever gonna have. Yeah, cars so park it's themselves. gonna be better at making decisions no, for driving. Like, yeah, they can parallel park. All this stuff, yeah. yeah. But, so then, the last point I wanted to talk about, really, was kind of these moral quandaries where it's like, oh, well, what if it's about to hit someone? Like, does it veer off and hit a crowd of people, or does it just hit the one person? And I know mm-hmm. you kind of wanted to dig into some of these because they're really interesting. Um, but the point I want to make overall is that I don't think any of these quandaries are ever actually going to happen, which might be a bold statement, but think about it. Like, if it's how... What would someone have to do to catch the car off guard to get hit by it? Because it's not like the car is looking directly in front of it and it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing. Oh crap, there's a person. Like if it's coming 60 miles an hour to an intersection, it's going to see way far off in 360 degrees. And it's going to see if someone's coming and like can do the math to say, oh, that person might get in front of me. Yeah. And also if it's getting to an intersection, it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like, like are going to be seeing those things from so far off and have so much time to respond that it won't be an issue. Yeah, like, if you've ever seen uh, Limitless, it's like, there's the one scene where he says, like, that guy's going to crash, and then you're just like, what? And then he says, that guy's going too fast, he's a distracted driver, like, he's not going to have time to slow down before this car, is going to rear-end him, and then it happens. It's like, computers can do amazing things. They can do hundreds of calculations a second, thousands probably. I don't know. I'm not not much of a computer guy. But, uh... Like, it'll, yeah, it'll know so much sooner. It'll be like, oh, if I want to stop before hitting that thing, I need to start slowing down now. And it'll know that, like, five blocks away. Like. Yeah. And it can say, like, I don't know if they're going to get in front of me, but with the current input, they will. So I'm going to start slowing down just in case. And then if the situation changes, I can keep going. But, yeah. I think. By and large, I my belief is just that computers are gonna be so so much better drivers than humans, and I wish everyone would just understand that. Yeah, and I think we're kind of facing an uphill battle though, because if we take a take a second and take a pessimistic viewpoint, Brian. Um the <laughs> the technologies that we have yet to integrate, like cruise control. Not everybody likes it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> like, not everybody likes having... That, well, that's... Uh, yeah. Even adaptive cruise control. Like, a lot of people don't I like are, that. Yeah. And I know everyone hates lane assist. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna... Not gonna cut any corners with that one. Well, imagine... But, uh, Brian, I did learn on like, the podcast, too, that... Think about this. Imagine how frustrating it is to have two people drive a car. And then imagine <laughs> that the person trying to drive the car for you is a way better driver than you are. Like, because that's what his if, lane assist if is. If I'm in that situ- <laughs> It's like... <laughs> if I'm in that situation, I just say fine. You drive. Yeah, yeah. But it's like just like imagine like this like freaking really smug computer person reaching around behind you and also grabbing the wheel and be like nope like <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Um, but the at the end of the podcast they did mention that uh, so the Google cars they're probably going to be the first self driving cars mm-hmm. and they already are being used as maybe not ubers but essentially taxis they're mm-hmm. being used as in i think like san francisco and some other city like yeah. a couple cities are using them so i thought that was interesting but uh the big uh, conundrum though is do we give people a sense of control where they can take over and mess things up or do we take away their control entirely and they decided that People are more likely to adopt new technology if they feel like they still have some semblance of control. So the self-driving cars do have pedals and steering wheels, even um, though they're completely unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see cars that have no uh, pedals or steering wheels. Yeah, more and It could room. be similar to the elevator where it's like you, you can't drive the car, but you can stop the car like an e-stop button where the car stops and then says, what's wrong? calling assistance now yeah you know that might be good oh man i wonder if there's going to be anything that like computers do differently like we like like humans like corner a certain way that we like and then they're just like actually that's the worst way to turn like computers, because you know how like people run algorithms through like learning to run and then they'll notice like oh it does this weird thing or like learning to like fence and they'll be like oh it does like a weird technique to like score a point like i wonder if that'll happen at all because there are things there are cases where like like there's a what is it? Go is a pretty like complex strategy game, um, and they taught computers to play. Mm-hmm. And like uh, there's a now a computer that has like beat all the grandmasters, and it's coming up with strategies that have never been conceived oh, yeah. of before. So it's like sort of the inventive mm-hmm. quality of robots. Like I wonder if they're gonna be if they're gonna have any new ways to do any of doing things. What if all stoplights and stop signs go away, and just literally everything's roundabouts?
1: Ooh, I can see. What that.
0: What if maybe they're not roundabouts? But instead of there being stoplights, all of the cars are just communicating with each other and can, like, weave through. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, that'd be nuts. Or they can just, like, know what traffic is where and then be like, okay, we need to stop and let them go to keep traffic flowing. Yeah, nicely. that would be that you know? would be a thing where um all the cars would have to be self-driving at that point. But it would have to be, like, outlawed to drive right. your own car. Um, right, yeah. Maybe but, that'll maybe someday, but maybe, but anyhow what I have what about for this episode well, the moral quandaries we didn't really talk about those specifically, well, yeah, but I feel like we took up all our time, but i, well, I do you want, want a rapid fire? Throw? I kind of want to gloss on them because it's to me it was interesting when they proposed the question as like how do you deal with it as an engineer, because a lot of people say, like oh well, um like it, who do you pick to hit this person or this person, and it's like those probably aren't going to come up that often um. But what I think will come up, at least sometimes, is if the car is put in some weird position where it's choosing between the occupants of the vehicle and somebody outside of the vehicle, what, should, what is the engineer's duty to program the car to do? Because engineers have a duty to like humanity, to be like, oh, we need to like keep the users of our product safe. But then it's like, okay, well, not everybody else is choosing to use the self-driving car. Who am I to say, oh, prioritize the occupants of the vehicle above all else? But it's also weird to design a product that mm-hmm. says, oh, sacrifice the occupants of the vehicle to save the outsiders. Like, yeah. and It's, like very, it's really very iRobot-ish. Like, yeah. And you can't assess the value of people's lives, really. Mm-hmm. Or like a computer can't really do that, I don't think. So. Yeah. But, I mean, in iRobot, it was like the one robot which was just like, oh, this person has a 15% chance of living. This person only has a 4% chance of living. It's like, let me save the 15% chance person. It's uh you know it's so I don't know, did you have any thoughts on that? Like what do you think? Like is the duty to save the random pedestrian or the occupant of the vehicle? Or do you just not want to engage with it at all? I think I think I mean I prefer not to engage with it at all. But if I had to, I would say beep boop boppy boop beep boop. (laughs) If I had to interface with a robot. No. If I had to, I think I would say um Could you repeat the question? And the robot would say, that's extremely insulting. I think think, uh, you have to, when you're making these decisions, you have to kind of turn off your emotions and be very cold, Mm -hmm. which I think is a hard thing to do for most people. Not really for me. I'm okay with it. (laughs) So I think uh, the expectation is that people know not to get in the way of cars. Mm -hmm. So if you get in the way of a car, I think that's your fault that you get hit. Mm. so i think you should prioritize the lives of the people in the car because when you get into a car you don't expect to die but if you're walking in the street you know that's a dangerous activity okay but like i don't i could construct some like possibility but basically what i'm i'm thinking law-abiding pedestrian law-abiding car rider some extraneous third solution third situation happens okay so again, my normal response would be, this isn't, isn't going to happen. Nothing bad is going to happen <laughs> in this kind of situation. But if it did, if you were able to contrive some scenario where it happened completely within bounds and someone was going to have to die. Mm-hmm. What's mm-hmm. the engineer's duty mm-hmm. to program into the car? I think it's to protect the users of the car. Like, the engineer can only control what he can control, I guess. Yeah. Can the engineer can only control what they can control. I don't want to assume the engineer's a boy. That was very not PC of me. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Cause I guess I'm sitting here trying to think of like what workaround, what like thing could they design to like give the person in the car a chance to riding, but it's like, no, assuming like this is outside of the capabilities of the car to solve. And the occupant will die or the person outside the car will die. Um Maybe Jay, we're overlooking the option of prioritizing both and we need to start putting a bunch of sticky airbags on the outside of cars that can deploy if they think they're about to hit a person yes then it it starts pushing by the airbag but they it gets the car gets close to a pedestrian and then it is like oh no an impact is about to occur absolutely launches the pedestrian with an airbag well that's why the airbag has to be sticky Oh, man. Have you ever seen the videos of people, like, (laughs) sitting on an airbag and, like, deploying it? No. (laughs) It's insane. Like, they get launched into the air. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, anyhow. um, Alright, well, we didn't really answer that moral quandary, but I I guess I I can understand the occupant. Like, it's reasonable to design your Mm -hmm. automatic car to be, like, as safe as humanly possible. And odds are that you're gonna... I feel like you need to, like, program that to prioritize your occupant. Above all things, I guess. Because that's just designing a safe product. Yeah. Maybe you put a big, like, fly swatter or something on the front. Or, like, a a windshield wiper sticking out the front of the car that just sweeps side to side. Yeah, to, like, so if someone's in the way, they just get swept out of the way. That's a fun fact. I don't know if this is actually true of, of like, the design of it. But, like, the thing on the front of trains that looks like a wedge. Like, the way I heard it explained to me was Mm -hmm. that's to... Like, throw cows off the tracks if they run into it. Yeah. I think it might be more for, like, snow, but... <laughs> but then why has it got holes in it, Brian? Well, yeah, they have much more, much bigger, more robust ones that are actually for, like, deep, intense snow. But, yeah, I think it's just for things in general, and I guess cows could be one of those things. Yeah. But anyhow... I don't remember talking about that during my time at GE Transportation. <laughs> yeah, so the real issue sure these days will. is um, people are very hesitant to adopt... Cow catchers on the front of vehicles. They say there's not a lot of cows on the roads these days. How is it going to affect my fuel economy? And people don't realize that in ten to twenty years we're all going to have cow catchers on the front of our cars because there's going to be just so many cows. People are very hesitant. Look at the data; it's an unavoidable. (laughs) People are very hesitant to adopt self-driving cows, Brian, and I don't understand why because the amount of resources that are dedicated and resources lost to cow incidents. Um. Yeah. The cows are practically driving themselves <laughs> already anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, anyhow, Brian. Thanks for uh bringing up this topic. This was this was it. I mean, we we let we let cows <laughs> We let cows use putters. We let them use irons and wedges. When are we going to let the cows drive by themselves? <laughs> oh, 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 Why oh, do we dudes. have to keep helping them? <laughs> yes, stop giving cows unreasonable handicaps at the PGA Tour. When are cows going to be seen as equal competitors <laughs> in the Olympic Games? Currently, they're <laughs> reserved to the Paralympic Games, and I think it sends a bad message to the you know, differently-abled athletes. <laughs> differently abled athletes across the globe are complaining that no one has been able to win the 100 meters since they started allowing cows in competition when did you get out of here um, the power lifting community has been completely upended by the ability of cows to deadlift okay Um. thanks for listening Um. and Till the end of next week, unless otherwise noted. You can email the podcast at weeklywilsonpod at gmail.com or see us on Instagram at weeklywilsonpod on Instagram. My name is Jay Wilson. His name is Brian Wilson. And this has been The Weekly Wilson. Don't even get me started on the mole people and their rights. (laughs) Why are the mole people in the regular Olympic Games? This doesn't make sense. (laughs) Why aren't they just animal games now? We'll settle it next week on the Weekly Wilson.